Welcome to Talking Round North Cyprus, a podcast about, well, all things to do with the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus. I'm Sarah Palmer. I'm Roger Barra. Thanks for joining us. Great to have you with us again. Thank you very much indeed for uh, sticking with us. We're still getting some good feedback on what you like and what you don't. And we've got a long list of people we want to chat to. Uh, of course, couldn't do this uh, podcast without my good friend, Roger Barra, who lives out in Northern Cyprus. Uh, I'm in uh, Leicestershire at the moment, and it is thick, thick fog. I can just about see the pigeon on the aerial outside my window. Uh, but that's about it. Guessing it's sunny where you are, Rog. It is. Uh, we've got a few clouds today, at least in the Iskeli area, but we're still really waiting for our winter rain. It just hasn't, we just haven't got it. Uh, mm. We sort of went from a long, hot summer to uh, a small autumn, and then we've gone straight into spring, which is great, but the garden isn't particularly happy with, with <laughs> the way things are. Could do with, with a, a little bit more nourishment in the water stakes but uh, yeah basically everything's still fine around here there's no change in the coronavirus apart from they are allowing now open markets um, which they hadn't been but you're, they're still virtually saying you can't do much at the weekends nothing is open on a Sunday except for emergencies and even on Saturdays there are quite a lot of restrictions they really do want to stop particularly the local families from meeting up at weekends which of course is their big thing they're not able to do it obviously some people are trying it some are getting away with it others aren't the figures of the amount of people getting uh, infected and not particularly encouraging they're still tiny compared to the most of the rest of the world but they're still over 20 a day so they're not going down at all mm. um, despite mm. the current restrictions it, it's a little bit of a worry because we had this so under control for so long and now it's just it's just getting a bit we're not quite sure where it's going to go and how long restrictions will last because Frankly, I'm hearing every day about local businesses saying they're not going to reopen the restaurants, uh, even the casinos, the nightclubs. They, they just can't take any more, really, yeah, which is thanks. not surprising. Yeah, that's right. It's difficult, isn't it? And um, and I know there's sort of, you know, lockdown fatigue everywhere. Everybody wants to. And if there's a slight glimmer of hope, I think people sort of think, oh, right, brilliant. OK, we can get out. But that then sort of brings it all back again, doesn't it? So fingers crossed anyway that there's light at the end of the tunnel. So this episode of our podcast is called The Charity One. Now, lots of charities uh, in the uh, Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus I've even done a, a, a did a charity swim, didn't I, Rog, with uh, that Chrissy organised quite a few years back one one Christmas for a local uh, cancer charity. I think they all thought we were completely balmy going in the sea on Christmas Day. They were like these mad English people because, of course, they don't really sort of celebrate Christmas. So they're like, but it's a Thursday. What do you mean you're going in the sea? Uh, but they were brilliant. TV came along, the mayor came along, uh, Chrissy raid loads of money and us Brits um, do what we do best and go in the sea and did stupid stuff. I've been involved in the Iskele Dog Shelter um, as well, sort of raising money uh, for them as we go along. Uh, but today we're joined by a special guest. We're chatting with Sue Tilt, who is from the Tulips Cancer Charity. So hello, Sue. Lovely to virtually meet you. Hi both, it's nice to see you two as well, instead of just hearing your voices on the podcast. <laughs> Hopefully it won't put you off uh, seeing us no, in, no, no. <laughs> in glorious Technicolor. Um, so welcome along. 
thank you very much indeed and um you know it, it's going to be a i think an honor to be part of this and, and also you know to explain a little bit about what tulips is because it doesn't matter how many times we put things out in the public i think it's one of those things that unless cancer actually touches you you don't necessarily read the article um and i'm guilty of that not of cancer but if i saw something that was kidney dialysis for example i, I probably wouldn't take a lot of notice of it in all honesty so just tell us we always like to hear how people ended up in north cyprus so take us a little bit back in your journey and tell us how you came where you live and how you came to be there right well i ended up living in south manchester uh Cheadle cheshire area um because my father had left the air force and we'd, we'd chucked all over the world and we settled down in that area because my mother's uh, parents uh, lived there and I had various jobs and eventually started uh, working for myself as a sales agent representing various importers and that selling to people like Matalan you know um, Adam's Children's Wear, Mothercare, uh, people like that as well as uh, wholesalers and um, small retail groups. It was during that time that I met my husband to be I always laugh when I say I met him at the Weatherby Hotel on the A1. I mean, <laughs> it sounds terrible, but it was actually a salesperson uh, conference. <laughs> and uh, he, he rescued me because I was being chatted up by this guy who had a, a shell suit on. <laughs> and he thought, that, that's not cool. <laughs> Good man. So I, I met Paul and for some unknown reason, we kept in touch for approximately 15 years. He, he looked after the Midlands area. I looked after Northwest and, and the rest of the UK, really. And I don't know why we, we just kept in touch. And then one day he said, um, you know, let's go out. So we did. And we started to form a relationship. And then he dropped this bombshell that he wanted to retire, but somewhere nice and hot and sunny. So I said, well, you go and find it and let me know and I'll come. <laughs> he said, you're not bothered? I went, nope. I mean, I've traveled and lived in enough places that it, it really wasn't a concern. Wherever I lay my hat, that's my home, as they say. Yeah. He went to Spain, he went to Portugal. And then eventually it was one of our customers suggested he came to the TRNC. And we were introduced to a local um, lawyer who lived on this site up in Bella Pays. And we ended up buying a, a resale up in uh, Bella Pays. And yeah. that, they say, is history. We've been here now. 18th, this is our 18th, nearly 19th. Wow. Wow. Still don't speak good Turkish. <laughs> it's hard. It's a hard language, isn't it? It's a hard language. It's back to front, so that doesn't help. <laughs> what a lovely story. As Sarah, they say romance is dead. We can prove otherwise on this podcast. We can indeed. We can indeed. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you enjoy about living there? Oh, I just love the fact that uh, we can wake up, you know, sort of like 350 days of the year to some you know I, I listen to uh, so many of my family and friends in the UK who are obviously going through this uh, coronavirus and lockdown the same as us but we open our curtains in the morning the sun is shining it's beautiful all right yeah we get some rainy days but you know we can go and sit in the garden and things like that and they're just so tied aren't they they can't do that in the UK in the same way and it, it's it's the the fact that I can see the sun most of the year and you gives you a feel good factor it does doesn't it yeah I mean that you that resonates with you Rog doesn't it straight away I can see you sort of nodding away there but <laughs> that's the thing isn't it and it just makes you feel you want to get out you want to socialize you want to be with yep. friends it just yeah but it the it. difference is like like Sue so eloquently put was was that 
we can in January, February, we can actually go and sit in the garden if we're sheltered from the wind. Uh, the sun is actually hot enough at 17, 18 degrees Celsius. And of course, with the weather you're describing, imagine waking up to that in full lockdown. I mean, I can't imagine how awful it really is for, for people who aren't fortunate like us to live in this climate. Mm. Anyway, enough about me, thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> making me feel so good. Um, <laughs> so, so Sue, let's, uh, let's get to uh, a bit of serious stuff. You were saying there about, um, we're talking about Tulips Cancer Charity. So how did you get involved and why did you get involved? Well, in October 2010, um, I was actually diagnosed with cancer, with breast cancer. And it was a bit of a shock because nobody in my family has had cancer. Uh, we have a tendency in our family to have diabetes and diabetes related diseases and heart failure. So cancer was a bit of a, a new one to us. And so I went through uh, my treatment. I had all my treatment, my operations here. And I was lucky enough that my friend Carol, who ended up doing fundraising with me for quite a number of years, had heard of tulips. Um, it was hardly known in the expat community and we didn't know what to expect. So uh, we, we went trucking off into Lefkosha and I met with the most lovely lady called Razia Kodjaismel and she is the chairperson of tulips and has been since its inception. She actually created, as the Turkish word name of the association is, Kanzer Hastalarana Yardım Dernayi. She was the only one who spoke English as well, <laughs> so we had to get on with her. <laughs> but it, it was absolutely fantastic because you're in a foreign country, you don't speak the language, or you don't speak it well enough to appreciate uh, probably um, health issues and probably financial issues. Those two things I always want to speak in English, so I don't get anything wrong. Mm -hmm. And you don't know where to go. Um, and of course, it's a complete shock to be told you've got a life-threatening disease and you just don't know which way to turn. And our first view was, let's see if we can get back to UK. But because Paul and I had been out of UK for so long, we couldn't get registered back with my doctor. And we couldn't re-register with either my mum or my sister's doctor. So I had a choice, either to stay here and have my treatment or go back to UK. So I chose to stay here. Um, and Tulips was brilliant in guiding, arranging appointments, um, everything. Um, I paid for all my own treatment because we came on the understanding that we knew um, any illnesses had to be paid for ourselves. So we have like a, an illness fund, as we call it, uh, yeah. like a medical fund that we keep topping up as we go along so we don't get caught out suddenly. Anyway, I got through my operation and everything. Um, I started my chemotherapy in, in January and I turned around and I said to Carol, I want to raise money for this charity because they've been so good. And she said, I want to as well because they've been so good with you and so good with, with one of her friends. So we got together and Carol and I are poles apart in personality and the way we tackle everything. But we got together and we started raising money for tulips. And the first time, actually, I was still under chemotherapy. And we had to time it between my chemotherapy sessions to, to do the first market. And it went so well. We got so excited. We said, oh, we'll do another one. And then we said, oh, we'll do another one. And then before <laughs> we knew it, we were organizing events. And it, and it actually got uh, so big that we started to struggle individually. It took over our lives 24-7. In addition to that, we, we actually stepped back because my husband is older than me and he was having uh, chronic heart uh, issues. 
and we ended up having to take him to Istanbul for treatment and everything. So tulips was costing me too much money when we had to take care of Paul's health, you know, so we actually stepped back for 18 months, but that didn't kind of last very long, to be perfectly <laughs> honest, because people kept saying, but you two are the face of tulips, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we ended up being dragged back in it again. What happened was I got myself a part-time job after that because we needed to reboot our funds a little bit, but my heart wasn't in it. Um, I'm not being rude to anybody who sells insurance, but <laughs> selling insurance <laughs> and helping people <laughs> didn't, didn't go well together at all. So I chose to leave that and to go back to supporting Tulips, uh, this time with the understanding that they would help me towards my, um, my fuel and my phone because it was just getting astronomical and I, I seriously couldn't afford it. So, yeah. That's, that's basically what happened. Well, it, it says on your website, the Tulips website, that you are the expat fundraiser and project manager. And it seems to me that you never stop. I mean, I don't think Cyprus Today, the English language newspaper, would dare issue a, uh, one of their weekly editions without your name, work you've been doing, and more importantly, of course, the huge amount of money you've been earning. But... Is this what a retired lady wants to do in this beautiful island? Just work her <laughs> socks off day after day? Well, to be honest, Roger, I was too young to retire. <laughs> and even now, I haven't got a pension. I'm too young to retire. I'm still active, so I've got to do something. But even when I get my pension, uh, which I think my, my private one can start in, a, in about a year, 18 months' time, um, whereas my, my state one, I think I've got to wait until I'm 67 now. <laughs> yeah. They keep moving it further and further back as I get closer to it. Um, <laughs> But, you know, the, the, the bottom line is um, I enjoy it. Um, I, I enjoy the fact that what we do uh, can help people. And that's the most important thing. It's, it's not about me. It's about tulips. Um, and, and Carol and I made this point a couple of years after we set off fundraising. Initially, it seemed to be all about us. And the photos in the paper were about us. And then after a couple of years, we said, we don't want this to be about us now. You know what Tulips is about. We want it to be about, um, about the people who are supporting and Tulips itself. So we had an agreement with the Cyprus Today's then uh, photographer, Susie, uh, who's a very good friend of ours, that you don't take photos of us, you take photos of everybody else. <laughs> so <laughs> although we, our name still appeared in the papers, there was... Uh, less and less visual of us. It was more to do with the charity itself and the supporters. Mm. So, Sue, this money, the amazing amount of money that you've raised, what does it do? What does it do for people? Where does that money go? OK, well, we're in since the lockdown of last year, um, our uh, income has just gone down and down and down and down because we haven't been able to have uh, any really big fundraisers. During last uh, lockdown, we managed to raise, I think, approximately 96,000 Turkish lira through doing an online party. And I, I don't know whether you saw, you probably didn't, Sarah, but me doing silly 2.6 challenges. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, is that still available to see? <laughs> 
<laughs> it was crazy but you know people were tuning in just to see what I was going to do the next day i.e eat minstrels with chopsticks and things like that you know it was uh, anything anything and everything um, but since then because when we opened up we weren't able to do any uh, big fundraisers it was all small ones our income has just gone down and down and down and down and tulips as a charity now is only earning 10% of its original income. We ideally need somewhere in the region of 210,000 lira every month. And uh, that would allow us then to help people who financially could not uh, afford to have cancer treatment. But we're in that position where we have to turn these people away at the moment. We've got a couple of families that we're helping because they've got no support whatsoever. Uh, but they're the only ones we can help because we haven't got the income and we're in debt um, with the banks, with a couple of the banks. And that's because they helped us out uh, last year as well. So we've come around to this this time and we have still haven't been able to do any big fundraisers and we're locked down again. And I caught a terrible phone call from Razia um, about the 3rd or 4th of um, February. And she said, I've written checks out uh, for the, you know, the essential staff we have. We have about 17 of them. And um, we, we can't cover half of them. I'm having to tell them to wait. I'm having to decide who's going to get paid and who isn't. Mm. And she said, and we haven't got any money then for March because we're in lockdown. So what, what are we going to do? So she said, come up with an idea about, you know, like you did last year with the online fundraising. And uh, I just said, nothing, after a couple of days, I said, nothing is going to raise the money we need. We need to put a, a plea out. She said, well, Jan and Ben, we're going to close in March. That's it. End of story. So I said, OK. So I did my plea letter and off it went. What we're aiming to get is 90,000 Turkish lira a month so that we can survive for three months. Now, we've managed to pay off the uh, February wages. We can pay the March wages and we can now pay uh, just about all of the April wages uh, through this plea that we put out. And we do have some uh, of May's wages. I'd just like a little bit more just to make it comfortable because even when we come out of lockdown, who, who's gonna want to go to a big fundraiser? You know, nobody's going to be wanting to do that uh, because of social distancing. And will we even be allowed to do them? You know, it's all right doing fundraisers where you weigh, raise 1,200 lira, 1,500 lira, maybe 3,000 lira on a night. But that's a long way off 90,000 lira a month. Mm -hmm. And that 90,000 lira a month, just to give you an idea, it covers 10 hospital staff, three nurses that we pay on the road, We've got two psychologists, one psychiatrist and a physiotherapist. That's 17 staff that we're collecting money to pay for on a monthly basis, which the government don't, don't actually contribute to. Mm. So that's where the 90,000 that you might have seen uh, rattling around Facebook and that, that's, that's where that money goes. That's what we need. And presumably people... You know, those those people are looking after families and 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 all sorts yes. of people with cancer. And, and obviously that sort of impacts directly on on those families. Well, that's right. I mean, the hospital staff, if we took the hospital staff out of um, uh, out of the oncology, 
they would really struggle. And in fact, uh, we were in a situation whereby the government were actually offering uh, 1,500 lira to um, uh, every employee, which would have covered them once. This was in the last lockdown. And they turned around initially and said that Tulips wasn't going to get it because we're a non-governmental organization. So our chairperson went, oh, not having that, straight onto the TV and said, this is unacceptable. I'm going to take these staff out of the hospital. And instantly, we she gets phone calls from the oncologist saying, Razia Hanum, you can't do that because the, the oncology unit will come to a standstill. And the only people that will suffer will be the patients. Mm. So we, we had she had to leave them in, simple as that. Um, it's wrong that the government don't take on this responsibility. Um, she fights every year, in and out, day in, day out, to try and get them to take on this because it's a, it's a large commitment that we have to uh, meet every month without fail. It's not like saving up for a piece of equipment that, oh, if it takes six months, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this yeah. is people's lives. This is people's food on the table. And that's why we've got to get at least this in mm. for us. So what happens to, I mean, I don't even want to ask this question, but what happens when the 90,000 runs out? We're still just out of lockdown and fundraising is every bit as difficult as it has been over the last 12 months. What happens then? Well, we're quite lucky because you've probably seen that I sent up, set up a Just Giving page. And we've got a lot of support, not just here in the TRNC, but in the UK as well. And we're really lucky because it's not just expats, it's Turkish Cypriots in London that have been uh, contributing as a group, you know, like a, a football association, a week Turkish weekend school association, and various people have been collecting and putting five and six hundred pounds on this. So... We're hoping that with that and the money we, we're collecting here, we will have enough money to get us through May. That's what we're hoping for. If we can't open up, if we can't do these events, then we're back to where we were uh, at the beginning of February. And that is quite a scary concept to even try to imagine um, when we first announced we were potentially going to close the trouble it caused um, the, the worry and the anguish it caused amongst patients both in the Turkish community and the English community like oh my god where do we get our drugs from how do we organize this you know um, who's going to help us with our appointments we don't speak the language it, it was just a nightmare for them and we just had to say if we close us as individuals won't abandon you. We will show you what to do, but we can't obviously keep on doing it. We would just have to show you and be there, you know, at the end of the phone for you. And that's an interesting point, isn't it? I know, you know, you're an expat, uh, um, but you're helping Turkish Cypriots as well. I mean, you know, it's everybody. It's, it's not just expats. Yes. You know? yes. I mean, this association was set up in 1993. 97% of the money raised is raised by the local Turkish speaking community. The expats in effect only uh, raised approximately 3% sometimes 4% of the money when we're actively doing fundraising. But what has happened and, and Razia respects this enormously is that where the Turkish uh, community here, so many of them have lost their jobs and things like that, and they can't afford to pay in, is that the expats have actually become 
the main supporters from last lockdown to now of the charity. They are the ones that have kept this uh, charity, this really important charity afloat. But what's nice, like I said, is in this particular plea that we've put out is that the Turkish Cypriots in London have responded as well. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, Yeah. it's real, real, real effort, isn't it? Real community effort. Yes. If anybody's listening, Sue, and had no idea of the precarious nature of this amazing charity, how do they contribute? What's the best way for them to say, I haven't got a lot, but here's what I've got. I have posted on our Tulips uh, Facebook page, but I appreciate some people maybe don't do Facebook. Um, But I have posted there our Credit West Bank accounts, okay? We are actually encouraging people, if they can, even if it's only a fiver a month, to pay uh, into this uh, account. We have Sterling and TL there. I'm currently in talks with uh, a, a bank over here in hope that we can set something up in UK as well, because our charity is not registered in the UK. And a lot of the support that came through this plea was asking, um, how do we pay monthly? You know, we just want to put £10 a month in, but how do we get it from UK to here? I don't want it in my bank account because that's mm. A, it's unprofessional, B, I might attract the tax man. <laughs> which I really don't want to do and thirdly we need to be transparent and I don't want to be so transparent that I'm publicizing all my bank statements to everybody of course of course absolutely so so we're trying to find a professional way of of doing this at the moment the only thing we can do is just ask people just to keep um, giving to our just giving page and we're relying on people to remember to do that. Whereas if they can set up a standing order, it'll be much easier. So at the moment for the UK people, we're asking, you know, if you've got another tenor, just pop it onto the Just Giving page. It's still live. We're keeping it going for a time being. Anybody over here, look on our Facebook page. If not, uh, get in touch with me. Most people uh, will, will know where to find my number on, on, on the internet. And we, we can arrange to meet them. We give a receipt, all the money that we receive. So I would give them a receipt for their payment, or they could just go directly to Credit West and pay it in. Amazing, yeah. Well, you're doing amazing work, Sue. I mean, how's, how's it taking its toll on you? Um, sometimes it's a bit worrying. Um, I had sleepless nights with Razia thinking, you know, as the cancer survivor myself, it was scary just the thought that tulips wasn't going to be there. And I couldn't, I could emphasize and, and I could feel what the cancer patients were feeling that if it just suddenly went. Although it, sometimes it gets hectic, like when we do Pink October, uh, things like that, it gets manic. And as my husband only recognises me from the back as I'm leaving the front door, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is normal at certain times of the year. I would rather that than not have tulips at all. And how are you physically and, and your cancer and everything like that? How are you? Well, I'm in remission. Um, I've had the all clear for five years now. I just go once a year for a checkup. So I touch wood here and hope it it stays like that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind telling people that I'm a cancer survivor because I think the more people realise that you can get over this, you know, the more the more confidence it will give them. And if it just gives just one person a little bit of uh, inspiration to say, oh, hang on, if she can do it, I can do it. That's great. It just changes their mindset because mm. half the battle is in the mind as well as 
the other half being obviously in the body. Can I just ask how your your treatment was in because you decided to have your treatment in Northern Cyprus and I and I guess a lot of people perhaps will touch on this in another another podcast. I think we're going to do a bit more about you know how health and all that sort of stuff because I think that that's an issue for a lot of people coming to live in uh, the TRNC. How am I going to pay for things and how am I going to get my health care? But what was the care like for you? The care for me was fine. For example, when you're using tulips, um, for anybody who's financially strapped tulips wouldn't pay for uh, an operation or anything you have to provide a pathology report because we have to have proof that you've got cancer before we can start helping you otherwise we'll end up with everybody knocking on the door i've got cancer can you help and it, it nothing to do with cancer so you have to be able to afford a certain amount of treatment yourself now i went to the near east hospital i had my operation there i was lucky it had only been open five months i had absolutely brilliant care and then i had all my chemotherapy and everything at the state hospital i'm lucky i've got a permanent residency kimlet card which allowed me to uh, have free treatment and i didn't realize this when i took the card out but discount off my drugs so that was an absolute bonus i can't complain the treatment i had was perfect I know some people have had issues, but for me, it was absolutely wonderful. But you do need to, if you're going to move here, you are thinking of becoming a permanent resident of some sort here. Um, you do need to ensure that you've got uh, finance to help cover your health issues. Yeah, that's so important. So thank you thank so you much. Um, you've been an inspiration here this last half hour, and I'm sure your words will resound very, very loud indeed to people listening and even people thinking of coming to live in the TRNC. So thanks Bless ever you. so much. Thank you very much. Sue is amazing. Thank you very much indeed. It's, uh, it's amazing what people do with their time and their money. So uh, thank you to her for, uh, for joining us. So that's about it. If you would like to uh, get involved with the podcast, you can follow us on Facebook. We have a Talking Round North Cyprus Facebook page. Uh, we're on Twitter. Just look us up at Talking Round North Cyprus. And if you've got any comments or you want to get involved, you can email us at trnc.podcast at gmail.com. OK, that's it then. Until next time, all the best. I'm Roger Barra. Thanks for listening. And I'm Sarah Palmer. And we've been Talking Round North Cyprus. Mm-hmm.